I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today I'm joined by Pauly, the legendary Pixman. Welcome on. Hey Andy, how's it going? Uh, hanging in there. Figures the week I go to LA, it rains here, so um, short day, but uh, gave me more time to get ready to talk about the PGA Tour. Yeah, well, you're missing the heat wave back in Chicago. I think it might have actually hit 30 today, so... <laughs> It's been a tough winter. Yeah, it's about 40 <laughs> degrees normal, uh, higher than we've had uh, for normal. Yeah. Wanted to talk uh, a little tour golf. PGA Tour kicked off. What did you think of uh, last week's event? I mean, DJ just absolutely dominated. I mean, he literally just was able to hit his driver wherever he wanted on that course, and it just gave him such an immense advantage that there was hardly anybody in that field that could have competed with him at that level and we've seen that in the past where jordan has won a capaloo as well or, or justin thomas to where when those guys are on their game th- th- there's not many other players in the field that can even come close to competing with them as you can see john rom played great the whole week and still was not even in the same ballpark as dj yeah i think it's something that gets a little blown out of proportion when one of these guys wins by like seven or eight and you know there's only a handful of guys that can do it john rom did it actually in ireland last year at that rolex event but it's um you know people make these knee-jerk reactions when they see dustin johnson won by eight but you know when when dj plays as good as he can play he's probably gonna win by a handful of shots 100 percent agree with that it, it's a long season, and it's uh, we've only seen one golfer in the in my lifetime, in your lifetime, that can really sustain the dominant level of play for a long time. It will be uh, very interesting to see DJ uh, this year, though. I, I kind of feel like he could be on for a big year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He kind of has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after the way he played last year and then getting hurt before Augusta to where... He could have went on an absolute tear had he possibly stayed healthy at that point. So, be interesting if he can do that this year. Yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he will. But, um, you know, at this point, he's got so many wins. I wrote this in the newsletter, but it's more about adding majors because he's, I mean, he's right on the borderline of a Hall of Fame career already. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. And the fact is that he still has a lot of years of prime golf ahead of him too. It's not like he's, you know, in his 40s and doing this, right? He's literally in the peak right now. So did uh, anybody else impress you last week? Uh, there were there were a few guys. I mean, I, I saw Mark Leishman again just continues to continue his strong play from the fall. Uh, and once again, he's another good guy that's playing in the wind. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to carry that over to uh, you know a track this week where he's you know had some decent success. But wondering if he can maybe take that you know that next leap to where he he starts winning you know two, three times a year on tour. I mean, because I think he won twice last year. Can he continue the trend this year? Yeah, I mean, 
finishing T seventh with a third round seventy six is pretty impressive. And uh, I think you know Leishman's got the the whole package game. You know, T to Green is really solid. He's long. He's got great iron player. And um, you know, when that putter gets going, he's tough to beat. What about my boy Siwoo? Siwoo. Well, the interesting thing is Siwoo actually played that well last week, and he didn't putt great. So, so the scary thing is, if he actually putted last week well, he would have he, he would have had a lot higher finish. I, I think he ended up losing, I think, about two and a half shots strokes gained putting last week. So. He very easily could have been, you know, top five had he putted just a little bit better there. Siwoo's going to have a big year this year. He, um, I'm, I'm convinced. I, uh, everybody likes to rag on him for last year. He won the players, but he was injured all year. Like, how can you, you know, I got in a little tiff with a, with a guy on Twitter about this, but like, how can you analyze somebody's stats when he's, when he's injured all year? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and the best thing is that Siwoo is one of my favorite guys in terms of like on a betting perspective because he, he has such bad finishes that based upon like almost like recency bias there that his odds end up being so bad. Like last year, he was 500 to 1 to win the players. That or been. even 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 like last week, I think he was maybe like 50 or 61. I think he's 70 or 80 to 1 to win this week. He finished, and, 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 uh, and in reality, he, he's won twice on tour already. So he's going to win more often than, than one out of 70 or one out of 80 times. I think he had a third or fourth place finish at Sony in 2016, his rookie year. Brought him up for a reason. I think this is a good good track for him. I think he's just going to have a good year. In terms of 2018, I mean, we're at the this is the first full, full field event of, uh, of the year. What are you kind of looking forward to? I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how some of these how some of the rookies that played in the fall series and some of the smaller events how, how they kind of handle the pressure of the mainstream PGA Tour now to where they're you know they're being able to play a couple events in a row here and the pressures of having to perform well before the next reshuffle. So you, you have some guys like Austin Cook who already obviously won on tour in, in the fall they don't have to worry about that but there's a lot of guys in the middle of the pack there of rookies who these next three or four events are very crucial to whether they're able to even retain their card for the year. Yeah. I, I always love watching rookies at this time of the year. It's uh, an underrated storyline in terms of uh, what gets coverage, but this is kind of a make or break time for rookies. If they, if they perform well, they're going to be set for the rest of the year. And, and I'd be interested to see like a statistical analysis. I think uh, Jake Nichols did one at one point where he talked, you know, like early season performance and how, it, I mean, the correlation to keeping their card is like so through the roof. But uh, I highlighted a couple guys that I'm watching in particular, like these early events. Obviously, like Peter Uline's the big, the big name um, that everybody knows. Former one, number one ranked player in the world as an amateur, uh, European Tour winner, played on the European Tour uh, since he graduated, so about six years. Um, but then really young kid, Aaron Wise, who I believe is only 21 NCAA champion from Oregon. Um, I'm really, I, I mean, as far as talent goes, he's, he's gotta be one of the 10 most talented player, young players in the game. And then, uh, another guy that I'm looking at is Sam Ryder, who, uh, was known kind of on the web tour as the best player T to green out there. So Sam Ryder's one that I don't think he played that great in the uh, in the fall, but I, I expect him to play really well 
in these next couple of events. Yeah, I could definitely see Ryder playing good this week just because his game suits up perfect for the for the golf course because he's going to be able to keep it in play off the tee and be able to hit the small greens out here just a matter of whether he, he can make putts for the week. So from a statistical standpoint, what kind of uh, stats do you look at for this week's Sony? So in terms of looking at the Sony, I, I'm looking for guys that are able to really control their iron shots uh, because you're going to have a lot of approaches coming into the greens from that 125 to 175 range. And, and traditionally, you haven't seen distance off the tee being a huge factor for success here. Obviously, there's outliers to that, like Justin Thomas last year, who decided to hit driver everywhere, and he pretty much hit it on a string, so he was, it made it into like a pitch and putt golf course. But if, if you look back at, at the winners of this golf course, uh, you, you, you have guys like in 2016, you had Fabian Gomez, uh, you've had Johnson Wagner, Mark Wilson, Zach Johnson, KJ Choi, Paul Goidos, David Toms. Those aren't necessarily your bombers. They're more of your tacticians, the guys that will place it in the right in the right portion of the fairway, attack the correct portion of the green, leave it in the correct spot. Uh, and the greens there, if you're in the correct spot, you, you can make a lot of putts on those greens because they're rolling pretty true. Yeah, that's a kind of a Rainer. And it, it, the course isn't it, so the course is a Seth Rainer design, but I mean, not all of it's really intact because it's been, you know, messed with over the years. They sold some of the land to uh, the hotel, the Kahala Hotel, and it was a drastic rerouting. But one of the things with Seth Rainer Greens is if you're in the right area, you've got really makeable putts, and they're pretty straight. So it's a place that definitely rewards precise iron play. In terms of uh, the golf course, I, I mean... I really like this golf course. Um, Justin Thomas was really the first one to expose it in the sense of cutting corners the way he did. It, I talked with Doak. Uh, I had a, the last podcast with uh, Tom Doak that went up on Monday was all about this. He's the consulting architect here. He talked about how Thomas, those lines he took were so aggressive. And if he wasn't on just right, you know, all of a sudden he's in a lot of, a lot of tough spots. So yep. it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, if Thomas employs the same strategy this week. I mean, he's not coming in with the same form as he had last year. Yeah, but I think, I think it's just his aggressive nature to where he's going to play, the, I think, the same way he did last year in terms of just pulling driver because that, that's just the way that he kind of goes ahead and plays because he knows if he happens to have a good week driving, it's going to be difficult for others to contend with him. He could do something like he did last year. And, you know, even if he doesn't drive it as great as that, maybe just a little bit worse, he could still potentially win this just because of his driver. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, that was a record-setting performance last year. So uh, if, he's, if he's 80% of what he was last year, he'll probably win. Getting into kind of players for this week and uh, what you're looking at, let's, uh, let's first go into the one and done. And, you know, everybody's season's kicking off, so people are looking to get – off to a good start. I know I am. I haven't been doing very well in fantasy golf lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of good options this week. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to go the route of taking one of the top guns in terms of like Spieth or Thomas this week, but I think one of the guys that I'm, I'm going to be looking at for my leagues is going to be Brian Harmon this week. He's coming in after playing very well last week. He, he has good course history, you know, finishing top 20 the last three years here. And if you think of the guys that have won here in the past, uh, as mentioned earlier, you know, Gomez, Wagner, Wilson, uh, Toms, Goidos, they're kind of fit the Harmon mold, meaning he's going to keep it in play off the tee. He's going to be very good with his iron game, and he's a pretty good putter. 
So I, I would not be surprised to see Brian Harmon come out on top this week. Yeah, I I, re- I put as a guy a player that kind of popped out at me. I put Harmon down. I think I think he's the guy. He's a guy that's just con- going to continue to ascend. He's I, last year he had a breakout year, but I I expect him to be around for the next decade as one of the PGA Tours. You know, not superstars, but that that second tier player that is uh, consistently in the hunt at a lot of events, year, year, uh, week in, week out. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily the best comparison, but I, to me he kind of seems like this generation's potential to be like a Jim Furyk, meaning he, he's always going to be there, he's going to be very consistent, and, and he's going to be a perfect guy to be in combination for like Ryder Cups, to partner with some of the, some of the bombers, I think. So he, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Kisner in a way, where – these guys, they don't have like a standout skill like that pops, like that is dominant. And those guys, it seems like it takes longer for them to really establish themselves on tour. Like Kisner obviously had a great year last year, but he's in that same boat where in, I like him a lot this week as well. I think this is a really good golf course for him. Um, I, I think it's pretty comparable to Colonial uh, because it's got these dog legs and you got to play to position, and then you've got these, you know, wedges to mid to, mid to low irons in. And uh, Colonial is the spot that Kisner won last year at. So Kisner is another guy that I like. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of correlation with Colonial as well. So if you look at an example like Zach Johnson, I believe he's played good at Colonial as well. And you look here, he's had top tens three of the last four years, uh, and, and he won back here in 2009 as well. So it's it's another guy that you know that fits the mold of being a tactician in terms of placing it in this area so you can have the best angle in and attacking from there. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. It, the uh, We did a little exercise. We, we never ended up doing anything with it last year, but this was one of the courses I, I sent to you as kind of a architecturally significant golf course. Um, and Kisner was a guy that just popped. You know, when, when the architecture is good, Kisner is a top 10 player in the world. Yeah. I mean, and another course that might be a little similar to this might be might be Harbor Town as well in terms of having to place it and with a little bit of the smaller greens and, and being able to have consistency with the with the iron game from you know one twenty five to one seventy five there. So another guy I put down on my list is uh, Shea Rave, Chaz Reeve. <laughs> yeah, he, he he had a really good uh, really good fall there. Uh, I think he had five consecutive top 25s in the fall and then he finished uh eighth here last year so it'll be interesting to see if you know if he's able to continue that trend going forward and possibly rack up another uh, another top 10 here uh so do you have any other guys that you're really kind of got highlighted for one and done yeah i mean i'm not necessarily sure if i'm going to use them this week because there may be a few other times i may use them on, on the west coast but charles howell's record here is really hard to pass up so I think in the last uh, 11 times he's been here, he's had seven top eight finishes, which kind of goes a little bit under the radar because when you think of the Sony Open, you don't necessarily think of Charles Howell being in contention that much. But it's well, really hard to pass may- up the ability for a guy that it may not necessarily win this week, but he's probably going to give you a top 20 finish. It's kind of uh, synonymous with his career where he doesn't really <laughs> exactly. win, but he cashes a lot of big checks. Yeah. Anyone else? That's probably about it. I mean, the one other guy you may want to go if you want to go a little bit of a flyer, maybe a guy like JJ Spawn. Yeah, I, uh, I had him on he my played, list. He played. He played here last year and missed the cut, but it seemed like in the fall 
the fall series. He really started to find his game, almost won his last start in the fall series. And it's another guy that just kind of fits that mold of keeping it in play and being a good iron player there. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm uh, one of the forefront JJ Spawn fans. And uh, I would say this golf course should fit him really well. He's stellar from tee to green. He's not overly long, but he's just really consistent. And uh, the other thing is he's a West Coast guy. So I think that that helps out here. Um, he's got it. He hits the ball really well. So if, if the wind picks up, which is obviously always a big factor. It's, I mean, the golf course is right on the ocean. If the wind picks up, he's a, he's a good fit. And uh, he almost won his last start. The, the start before he was in contention late. And I think he finished like double, triple or something to drop to like 15th. So, you know, he almost won twice in. And that's something I always look at when I'm trying to look at breakout players for the next year is who are guys that really got in the hunt a lot and, and were in contention a few times but didn't get the job done. And those guys, I always think, are the guys that are going to break out next year. And I, I could see J.J. Spawn notching a win this year and having a really good year similar to like an Adam Hadwin year last year. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he picks up a victory by the time the West Coast swing is over because there's a lot of courses there that are going to fit him well. Mm -hmm. So um, let's dive into uh, DraftKings here and uh, get get kind of uh, we'll go through a couple, you know, who you like from the high price tiers and then, you know, who you like to fill out your roster with the salaries for this week. You've obviously got Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas are clear in a way the top two guys. And then, you know, Mark Leishman, Brian Harmon and uh, Kisner are all above $10,000. So those are kind of the, the clear top echelon guys. Are you going with a strategy of, of taking one of those top two guys? Yeah. So if I'm looking at like a tournament structure, a lot of times I'll, I'll first look to see you know, where do I think everyone else is going to go? And then I'll kind of pivot off of that. Because if, if I can get, you know, if I think I can get Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas at a smaller ownership than, let's say, Mark Leishman or Brian Harmon, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I, I think based on the way that Harmon and Leishman played this past week and the fact that you can save, you know, maybe $1,000 more salary, I think a lot of guys are going to do that this week and going to think, oh, Justin Thomas played so bad last week. You know, he's got a different caddy on the, on the bag. He's got bones on the bag this week. You know, you may have a chance to where you can get, you know, a defending champion at 15% ownership, which I'll take all day. I'll take that risk because he is the upside to where if he starts playing well, he's going to carry your, your, your DraftKings tournament team this week. I kind of, I, I would throw uh, Jordan Spieth into that same boat. He had a, he shot his 75 in the first round, still finished in the top 10. And, you know, you look at a golf course that should fit his game really well. There's He's the best player approaching the green on the PGA Tour. And he finished yeah. top five last year in his first start here. Yeah, and I think one of the stats that sticks out from last week is, we, you know, we know Jordan Spieth's a good putter tr traditionally in the long term, right? So last week he lost almost four shots on the green, strokes gain putting, where normally he's, you know, gaining about 1.4 shots per round. So he basically lost about a little over five shots off his average putting. And he finished, what, ninth? Ninth, yeah. So. Right, right. And so if he, if he makes those five, if he just putts normal last week, he finishes second to DJ. Yeah. So if you, if you think about that, you know, his T-degree game, T-degree game last week, you know, he gained almost nine shots on the field. 
mm-hmm. doing that. So, so if he can keep that up this week and just has a normal putting week, which I would not be surprised with considering the greens are a little bit easier to putt, I, I would not be surprised to see him up there in the top five this week just because he's that good of a player. Yeah, I mean, I, you can never count out Jordan Spieth, but uh, I, I always, you know, you can, if you go with like a guy like Kisner who didn't have a great week last week, you can get a lot more value. So like if you're taking a guy like Kisner, all of a sudden you can stock up on some of these, these um, you know, tier two guys that have, you know, some people we've already talked about, Charles Howell, Siwoo Kim, you know, uh, along with past champions such as Russell Henley, um, Zach Johnson. So who do you like in this uh, kind of like nine to 8,000 bracket? Yeah, so I'm, one of my favorite DraftKings players of all time is actually Tony Finau. Because a common misconception people get when looking at DraftKings is it's, you know, they think, oh, it's just about how they finish for the week. But in reality, the scoring's so heavily weighted towards birdies and eagles that, that Finau oftentimes may finish 20th, but he may have the 10th most points for the week. So if you're looking at DraftKings, Finau's usually a really good option because of his ability to make so many birdies and have all the eagle opportunities. And we know that the two par fives here, if Finau, you know, hits good drives on them, He's gonna have very short approach shots. He literally may have wedge, like a wedge. number nine, yeah, and and eighteen, <laughs> and, and and eighteen if he's able to hit a high draw over the corner there. And the fact that you know Finau's kind of matured over the past year to where he's kind of realized he doesn't have to hit driver everywhere, so he's able to use his length in in other ways to where he's hitting you know hitting maybe a four iron off the tee, where he could do that here, hit a four iron, and still have wedge into a lot of holes. We put together that list of breakout players that you put all the stats together and we we're looking at it. And one of the guys that improved so much last year in strokes gain approach was Tony Finau. And uh, it didn't correlate to wins, but it, he was really consistent. So he was one of those guys had a couple of things gone his way. He could have had two, three wins last year. Yeah, I, I definitely expect him to get at least one victory under his belt this year. Hey, I got a question that with a with a player here that's in this in this range. He was the rookie of the year last year, Xander Shoffley. Are you worried at all? Like, how do you weigh club changes early in the season? It, I, it's always difficult the first couple year or a couple weeks of the season, even if they're not changing clubs, just because of the fact that a lot of guys haven't played tournament golf for a couple months, right? So just, you know, just, yeah, just walk into Hawaii, you have a guy who may not have played since, you know, October, November, or maybe they played the Hero Challenge, or maybe they played somewhere in Asia. Like, I think, I, I think uh, Shoffley played, like, at the Dunlop, Dunlop Phoenix, and then I think he played uh, maybe, you know, one or two other events. But he, he obviously, you know, he obviously feel com- feels comfortable enough changing manufacturers there for the equipment that I'm not going to wait too much into that. I'm more concerned about how he's, you know, how he's played in the fall series, in the, you know, the, the events in the fall where he, you know, finished near last of the CJ Cup, finished, I think, 46 of the HSBC, and then last week, I think, finished 22nd. So that that's a little more concerning to me. You know, that's a little bit different than the form he had when he, you know, won the Tour Championship and was third at the CIMB right after that. Yeah, one of my one of the players that I uh, I've highlighted as a uh, potential breakout player this year, and I think uh, this is a popular one, is Ali Schneiderjans. And he's sitting there at eighty three hundred. He was a guy that I think he had uh, four or five top five finishes last year. Um, was consistently on leaderboards, 
as a rook and obviously you know former number one ranked amateur world uh, player in the world has about as much talent as anybody out there do you like him this week or, or are you passing on him I, i'm probably going to pass on him this week I'd, I'd much rather have another guy who is you know a top collegiate as well which is jamie lovemark mm-hmm. and that's because lovemark you know his last two times here he's gone fourth and seventh and as we kind of talked about, you know, and, and it was in the article that we kind of had a few weeks back that based upon how he's been improving in his game, I, I, I would not be surprised to see Lovemark, you know, notch that victory this year. And, you know, on paper, you wouldn't think he'd be that great of a fit for this golf course. But for some reason, it just suits his eye. And, and I don't really know why. But when a player, you know, is able to come in and pick up two, you know, top seven finishes, that's probably meaning that they're liking the course. Yeah, I he was he had a really good year last year even though he didn't it was a sneaky good year. He had a really good stretch in the middle of the year and I I, I think I you know it, it's a sad story that he was derailed so early in his career by the back injuries, but it I think like he could be one of those guys that at age from age 30 to 35 could have a really great run. Yeah, I could definitely see that with Love Mark. Um, so any other guys that, uh, kind of stick out in this, uh, 8,000 range? No, I, I definitely see some guys right below the 8,000 range that I'm interested in, but there's a lot of guys in that, in that 8,000 range, like Will McGirt or, uh, or Daniel Berger that I'm probably going to be passing on this week to, to try to save some salary down below, especially if we're going to play, uh, Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth. So, uh, you know, one guy in the 7,000 7, range is uh, J.J. Spawn, who we already talked about. Who else uh, in this group really kind of stands out? So I'm going to go back to the well here with Austin Cook. Uh, it's just another golf course that just fits him perfectly to where he's a guy that keeps it in play off the tee, very solid iron game, and, you know, has the ability to, you know, when, he, when he's in position on the greens, can make a lot of those 10 to 15-foot putts for birdie, which I think is going to be needed this week if you're going to want to, you know, get to that winning score, which I'm guessing is probably going to be between 20 to 23 under somewhere in that area, just because I think the wind's projected to be a little bit down this week. So I'm thinking the numbers are going to be pretty low. You know, I was, I was, I was kicking myself. So right after I published a article in the fall about rookies to watch a buddy of mine who caddies on the PGA tour texted me and goes, dude, Austin cook is going to be just an ATM out there. That guy's going to make a ton of money. And sure enough, like two weeks later, he wins. <laughs> so uh, I, I, um, I'd buy Austin Cook stock right now too, uh, just based off of a uh, a review I uh, I trust. Yeah, and I think one of the other guys there, if you uh, a little bit lower at seventy three hundred, it seems like DraftKings. I don't know if they priced him incorrectly or what, but you have Jason Duffner down at seventy three hundred. So one of the things I look at each week is I kind of compare the the odds to win the tournament versus your salary. And we're seeing that Jason Duffner has the 15th best odds to win, yet he's all the way down here at 7,300. So something just doesn't jive there. That's uh, quite strange, and especially considering he's such a good ball striker. Oh, especially, and if you're looking like courses that are, you know, corollaries, Colonial, right? Well, (laughs) Jason Duffner plays pretty good at Colonial. Yeah, it's uh, Jason Duffner priced the same as uh, Kelly Craft. Which is, or Daisuke Katoka, yeah. I think, is the better analogy there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't hate on Daisuke. <laughs> um, what about Wes Bryan? You know, you, you talked about Harbortown. 
and he obviously won there, but I, I feel like that could be another good fit is uh, Wes Bryant. Yeah, the, the only thing I'm concerned about with Wes Bryant is his ability to keep it in play off the tee. Because going into last week, he was you know looked at from a lot of people because the fairways were wide and it was, oh, it's just going to be an approach shot game and putting right up West, Bri- West Bryant's alley, right? The problem is he, he was not able to keep it anywhere in play. Last week, he lost 11.3 shots off the tee, stroke gained at Kapalua. Now, obviously, I know a lot of that may be distance, but I know he missed a lot of fairways and put a couple of them in the junk, especially in the par 5 fifth. Those are big fairways, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, one of the things I think with a driver is a driver, I, just knowing from my own tournament golf experience, like your driver can just reappear one week to the next week. Yeah, that's coming from a guy who, who's used to driving it very well. I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't drive it very well, so I know that you don't get many weeks where you're hitting it well. So I, I, I can feel for Wes Bryan and his driver struggles. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, anyone else in the 7,000? I mean, we talked about Sam Ryder already. Jimmy Walker, two-time winner here. Lyme disease, yeah. is, he, is he over the Lyme disease? Like. I, I I would still probably stay off that. I mean, it, I think you're going to have a lot of people just flock to him for DraftKings just based upon the name and the fact that he's won here. So I'd rather just kind of fade that 15% that's going to own him and hope he doesn't finish in the top 15 or top 20. Here's kind of a question that's bigger than just this. Is is this the year that Patrick Rogers is finally going to like win? I, I don't know about that. It seems to me that he, he's able to put together a couple good rounds but I don't know if he's able to string together four rounds together. Like to me, he seems a lot like Russell Henley without the, you know, the dynamic of being able to close it in the final round where, you know, he has these highly variant rounds. He, the guy can go out and shoot 29 and a nine holes with a, without a blink of an eye. It's just a matter of, can he do it for four rounds? Yeah. Russell Henley is such a great putter too. I think that's, that's kind of where Patrick Rogers falls short, but he, I mean, he, I think he's still 25. That guy has more t- as much talent as anybody out there. So now we're we're kind of into our uh, into the bargain basement down here. Uh, who pops at you know seven thousand and and under? Yeah, so I got a few guys down here. One of them what we could have mentioned earlier and talking about rookies. I think it was a uh, Bo Hostler. Yeah, he's down there at seven thousand. And interesting enough, he's actually he's three hundred and fifty to one to win this week. Which is, I think, obviously not a correct price in the market there. No. Uh, to, to where he's a guy that, you know, almost, you know, he, he contended uh, in, in the fall series at the Shriners. I think he lost by two when, when, when I think Cantley won there. And then the week before that, he had another top 10 at the Sanderson's Farm. So if, you, if you're looking for a rookie that might make a splash and, you know, and kind of has the pedigree to go out there and win, he's a guy that I could see winning, winning, maybe not, obviously not this event possibly, but could win one of the smaller field events this year on tour. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, he won so much as a collegiate and amateur player. I mean, as much pedigree as anybody, as you said. I, I think Bo Hustler, and and the fact that he got up to the PGA Tour. like, So he got up to the PGA Tour despite starting the year on the web.com with no status. He Mondayed in in the middle of the season, finished second. Then I think he won the next week. So, I mean... The guy guy got up there, got up into the top twenty five, making about half the starts as everybody else on the web.com tour. A lot of talent. I would uh I would not be surprised to see him contend for like rookie of the year. 
Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. The only, the only way I maybe see maybe unless like Peter Uline happens to win a couple times, I think he's probably the favorite possibly for rookie of the year if he you know Actually, lives up to his. I think there. Bo Hostler's not uh, eligible now that I think about it because he made there's this you know he got all those sponsors exemptions, and I don't think you're eligible if you get eight sponsors exemptions I, or whatever. Yeah, I think it's about eight or nine, I think, is, it, is the cutoff there, yeah. It's one of the most confusing things on the PGA Tour is determining who and who isn't a, is a rookie. Yeah. Uh, you know, one guy I kind of like to break out this year is Michael Kim. And I, I don't know if he's... I don't think he's necessarily a great DraftKings guy, but he has hung around the PGA Tour. I think he's into his third or fourth year now and uh, was a dynamic amateur player. And he just seems like a guy that's going to be a consistent player on the tour for a long time. And I think he's improved a lot uh, approaching the green. And I think it's just a matter of time before he starts to really, you know, instead of just making the cut, have some top finishes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Andy. You're out, Michael, you're out Michael, on Michael Kim? Kim? Is not, not, not one of my favorite players on, on tour there. I, hey, to me, he seems like a guy that just keeps hovering, hovering around the cut there each week, and I don't really see the upside in, in his game to where he's going to record a lot of top ten finishes. And if we look at his record, like in the fall series, I think he played, uh, you know, I think he played four events there and missed missed three of the cuts. And the one he didn't miss a cut was a no cut event, the CIMB Classic. So, well, yeah, not not as if he's trending in the correct direction there. You know what? Agree to disagree. We'll see. The season <laughs> will bear it out. Uh, it seems like a bet's coming out on that one. So, <laughs> um, Steven Yeager would be a guy that kind of fits this bill. He's not the longest rookie, but, I mean, he's lit it up. I mean, he shot 57 at Stonebray, a course that you get a lot of short irons and wedges into. And, um, you know, what do you think? I mean, you probably haven't seen a ton of Yeager, but he could be a guy that plays well. Yeah, I, I've seen him a little bit on the, uh, on the, on the web.com last year, you know, watching that, but... He's he, he's definitely a guy where I'm gonna want to watch him the first couple starts on tour here during the main season because I I I think the first couple months you have a lot of people that just they see the name and they just don't know who that is and they just kind of look over him whereas he could definitely provide a lot of value not even just in DraftKings but in some other type of possible leagues you may be having to where you may be you know you know kind of near the bottom of your choices there because he played pretty decent in the fall he had I think he had four. Four out of five cuts made, and and I, th- and I think three of those were in the top thirty. So you know the, the possibility for him, you know, getting up there and making some money and getting up the reshuffle list is definitely there. So uh, a guy you liked last week is sitting there at sixty nine hundred. Uh, Ryan Armour, are you on him again this week? Oh yeah, you, you, you got to my uh, to my favorite f- favorite play probably of the uh, of the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna be you know Ryan Armour fan all year because I, I think he's gonna be. He's going to be the Adam Hadwin this year to where he's going to be underpriced every every week, it seems like. He already won in the fall series, and he's a guy who is an elite iron player, and a lot of people, the public, just won't think of Ryan Armour as a solid play because they've kind of seen his name on and off the tour for the last, you know, six, seven, eight years. You know, he's a guy, I think he's 40 or 41, but... An interesting stat I dug up from, from after looking at the stats from Kapalua was so we looked at Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson had 39 uh, attempts for birdie or better inside 20 feet. Ryan Armour finished I think about 17 shots behind him, but he had 38 opportunities for birdie inside 20 feet last week. 
and it was windy out, and he did that. So if he's able to bring that precise iron game over to Wiley this week and on a little bit flatter greens, and he's able to putt halfway decent, I would not be surprised if he, you know, top fives, top tens, maybe even sneaks in his second victory this week. Yeah, he. I mean, he. One week the you can't make him, and the next week you can't miss. That's a, that's the way golf goes a lot of times. So it, it, ball striking leaves a lot slower. Like it sticks around longer than putting. Yeah, a hundred percent agree on that. And the third thing is, Armour's not the longest hitter out there, so there there isn't necessarily a ton of courses you, you you'd like to have him play on. But this is definitely a course where, where where length may not necessarily be needed as much. And you know he, he can kind of follow the you know the, the David Toms, the Kisner, Jerry Kelly, Zach Johnsons of the world, and you know just maneuver it around the golf course and keep leaving himself putts inside fifteen or twenty feet. As a uh, fellow contrarian, would you? consider armor for one and done that that would be a potential option yeah because i, I if, if you have if you're in a large one and done i'm, I'm in a, a few different contests and one of them was over you know over a thousand people in it, it to where if you pick armor you're probably going to be you know maybe two or three people have them and that gives you a chance to where you can you know jump up the, up the standings significantly by, by having that yeah that's uh i always that's probably why i don't do well is i always am looking for like the sneaky contrarian take and i i get to the end of the year and i look at my who i haven't picked yet and i'm like oh i got like i got 20 guys that are in the top 40 in the world that i haven't used like probably messed up here um, yeah like w- one of the things like a lot of people listen to this probably do one and done contest is at the beginning of the year is i'll go through and chart out the events and list you know two or three guys that i like for each event so that way kind of ahead of time i can know to where Let's say I was looking at Charles Howell this week. I can see, okay, there's two or three other events I may want to use Charles Howell. Now do I want to burn him this week or not? Whereas a lot of people will just pick somebody for this week and not think about the significance of that, you know, of them using that pick down down the line. Mm-hmm. A good example of that is taking DJ at Riviera because he's absolutely owned that place, right? A lot of people are going to want to save him for there and not going to want to burn him uh, at other spots. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, do you save DJ for a major where you get maybe more points? Yeah, that, that, that that's another question there. The only, the only thing is that I tend not to go with studs at the majors because the fields are so, so difficult to win at, and a lot of times the money is only significantly, it's not really significantly more. It may be, you know, 1.7 million as opposed to 1.2 or 1.3. I'd really take, a, take him in a tournament to where he has, you know, you know, only three or four guys in the top 15 in the world as opposed to all 15 guys. Mm-hmm. So another guy we uh, that you mentioned in the article of breakout players is Harold Varner, and he's at 6,700 despite making six of six cuts in the fall. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he's one of the high upside plays of the week to where he, he's a guy that has the ability to make a lot of birdies in a row. And, and interestingly, interestingly enough, he, he's actually fa- fairly consistent as well. I, like, I don't think he's his last missed cut was actually back at the John Deere in the s- summer. So for, for, for a guy that's, you know, this low priced, I, I think he's probably going to make the cut this week. I don't know if he's necessarily going to you know finish top 10, but I'd most likely project him somewhere between 20th to 40th, probably finishing and, and making a fair amount of birdies, which if you want to put Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth in your lineup or one of them, Varner is going to be a very popular play on there to, uh, to pair him with, I would think. Yeah, I could see his percentage being really high because he's a, a name. 
who who you got? You got Rory Sabatini or uh, Omar Urusti heads up this week. Uh, actually, I I don't mind playing Rory this week. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, usually when I say that, I'm talking about Rory McIlroy, but in this instance, I'm actually talking about Rory Sabatini. Uh, he, he surprisingly has a pretty decent record if we look all the way back here. Uh, so if we go back all the way to yeah, I got you know records dating about the last like roughly ten years here. He actually has he finished second twice here and sixth once, uh, and two other top fifteens. So for a guy that you know, a lot of people will just kind of skim over thing. Oh, he's played bad the last couple of years. He's not necessarily the worst uh, worst guy to just you know just kind of throw a dart at and hope it hits. Yeah, I I have to say that I'm pretty sad that the Sony Open didn't extend a sponsor's exemption to the player that's delivered the best moment in Sony Open history. Which is? Robert Allenby. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about uh, Tad Fujikawa because I know he was trying to Monday qualify today. I, I don't know if he made it, but I know he was in the 45-person field. So I mean, Allenby has, has yeah. provided a lifetime of memories at this event. <laughs> Yeah, that that was one of the more interesting stories I think I've ever heard. So, um, anybody else you you like? Uh, any other uh, making any long shot bets? Any head to heads? Uh, I haven't really dug into the head to heads yet. Those those usually will come out on, on on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So you can follow me on on, on Twitter at Friday Paul. You know, I'll kind of keep you updated up to date on those there. But in terms of any long shot bets, uh, not really at this time. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned Armor before. I think he's. 90 to 1 or 100 to 1 to win, I think it's probably good value down there uh, in that bracket. Cool. And then, uh, and then, what was it, Hostler? Who was 350? Hostler. Uh, yeah, Bo, yeah, Bo Hostler was 350 to 1 to win. So, He's and if those it. odds carry over, a lot of times they'll make the top 10 or top 5 odds to finish based upon their winning percentage, based upon their odds to win. So, you may see Hostler at like 20 to 1 for a top 10. Yeah, that's. Which, and if you if you see that, that's obviously there's a lot of value there because you know his real odds to get a top ten are probably maybe eight to one, nine to one this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we let you out of here, we got to uh, we got to get some predictions for the year. Let's uh, let's hear your major winners for the year. So major winners for the year, I would probably think that hmm, I'm thinking at Augusta, I. I I know it's going to be a popular choice, but I think you're going to have Jordan Spieth get a narrow victory over Justin Rose at Augusta. So I, I think Rose battles down the stretch again, but Spieth pulls out another victory at Augusta there. All right. U.S. Uh, Open. And then at the uh, U.S. Open, I'm thinking you may get a little bit more of a long shot this year at the U.S. Open. You might you might have a, you might have a guy such as maybe even like Brian Harmon win there to where a guy gets his first major there because i you know at Shinnecock you've had guys like Corey Pavin you know win there to where i don't necessarily think Shinnecock's going to be a course where you're going to have to absolutely bomb it i think it's going to be more US Open style in terms of having to control your ball flight control your spin as opposed to the last couple ones where it's kind of been a you know, bomb it with a little bit more open off the tee. Is that kind of your assessment of the course as well? Uh yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty wide. I I think it's gonna deliver. Uh, I personally think it'll deliver a uh, a thoroughbred. It's. I think it's one of the great championship courses in the country. 
Um, I think it, it, you gotta you're gonna have to have an all around game. It's a uh, it's an architectural masterpiece. And then uh, go on to the British. I believe that's at Carnoustie this year. Am, am yeah, Carnoustie. I think right. Mm-hmm. So uh, isn't that where isn't that where Sergio just barely missed uh, winning winning the major? Correct. Yeah, I mean it. It is a ball striking paradise there. I mean, you. Yeah, so I, you're not. I think now, slap now that around. he's got one one major under his belt, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he adds another one at the British. Okay, I I like that pick a lot, and uh, Bell Reeve, the Jones family legacy. It's gonna yeah, be. It, it's gonna be yeah, soft. It will. There is. I I am gonna say that St. Louis in August is maybe the worst place in the world to be in August. <laughs> it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. It's going to rain. There's no chance that that golf course is in any way firm and fast. No. So, yeah. So the one guy I like for that is actually Mark Leishman. And, and, and the thing is interesting enough, Leishman is, if you look at like futures odds, he's actually 66 to one the P, to win the PGA championship right now, which I think is a lot of value. All right, there's a, there's a good bet for anybody that's in Vegas or has a local bookie. Definitely. Uh, so I, I got a couple more predictions to throw at you. A couple more, you know, instead in lieu of overrated and underrated, I'm just going to ask you a couple odd questions. Sure. Will Paul Casey win this year? No. I I am on the Paul Casey anti playing well on Sunday bandwagon. I, I've it's one of my favorite favorite bets to make is always when Paul Casey's in contention on Sunday, I take the head to head bet of whoever he's playing with. And I've done that for about three or four years and it's worked out very well. <laughs> Will Rory McElroy end the year in the top ten? Yeah, in uh, top ten in the world or top ten in FedEx Cup points? Top ten in the world. Yes. Yes. I, I think he probably comes back and wins probably twi- at least twice this year. What about Jason Day? I'm thinking he's kind of in the in the same Rory boat. Maybe probably gonna get one to two wins somewhere between eight to ten in the world. I'm thinking just because I think you're gonna have guys like John Rahm kind of solidify themselves and you know and, and finishing ahead of him uh, in the world rankings. All right, player that will uh, veteran player outside of the ones that you've written about that's gonna have a a great year that, that everybody's gonna be like, wow, how did we not see that coming? I would probably go with Sean O'Hare. Oh, so that, that, that's uh, that, that's a little bit out of left field, but O'Hare is just we, 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 we've seen in the past that he has the ability to win events, and now that I think he's finally you know he made some swing changes that he's finally feeling comfortable with that. That you know he played good for for a couple weeks last year at Colonial, finishing second and fifth at the Byron Nelson. You know he finished eleventh here last year at the Sony. So it wouldn't surprise me if he picks up an, another win, maybe somewhere like at the Valspar in Tampa, or, or or maybe even at the at the Honda Classic or something like that, to where you know it's it's a true ball strikers golf course. I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up a, a, you know one or two victories there. Yeah, he always kind of just like sneaks a win in. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, he he won, he's won, you know, he won again. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those you know f- four or five years from you're like Sean O'Hare won how many times on tour? All right, better season, Bubba Watson or Hunter Mahan? Oh, that that is Bubba Watson by far. Uh, I, I I honestly think Bubba is going to be not to say back to his full form, resurgent. 
yeah, I, I, I think, I think he's going to be, he's going to be back. He's, he's got, he's back to his normal ball now. He got, he got away from the colored Volvix. So now, now that he's back to his normal ball, he can, you know, maybe figure out back to his game to where I think he might've been focusing on the wrong parts of it and now go back to his strengths and be able to, you know, dominate the course T to green to where I think he kind of lost it a little bit, uh, T to green over the last couple of years. So uh, I'm just uh, looking through players here. Is uh, is it is this the season that uh, Martin Keimer has like that that good year again out of nowhere? Like you know he he'll go through a couple bad years and and then he just has like a great year. Uh, I don't know necessarily this year. I, I would look towards future years based upon where the, where the majors are playing at. So if you look yeah. at the years that he's played well, you've had years where it's been like Whistling Straits or Pinehurst. Like I don't think any of these major tracks this year suit him that well, so I, I don't think Shinnecock, I, I, I'd be a Keimer fan this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Carnoustie wouldn't fit him well. Um, Augusta no, never, and, and we never know, and we, and we know well. Augusta does not no. ne- will never fit Martin Keimer well. <laughs> not good. All right. No. Uh, well, Polly, we'll, we'll we're gonna have Polly on more regularly, um, maybe every week. Who knows? Well, let us know what you think, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks for having me, Andy. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.